chapter 10. If you would, as you're turning there, I just heard um, like five seconds ago that uh, Richard King has got uh, some serious blockages in his heart and so is planning on a quadruple bypass in the next couple days. And so be in prayer for him. Uh, I think you know Richard uh, King, who um, uh, started actually Brother Lamar's home church um, and then uh, pastored churches up here for a while and has been a help to many churches. Uh, and so just be in prayer for him that way. Mark chapter 10, we'll start reading in verse 35. The Bible says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye not, uh, can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful this evening to be able to gather in your house and preach your word and worship you and take important matters in our hearts to your throne and Lay them at the altar, Lord, and we're just thankful that we know we serve a God that hears our prayers, that cares for them, that as we have uh, so many matters of, of, uh, that are dear to our hearts, as I think of even Brother King tonight, Lord, we know that you care and hear us, and we just ask that you'd work in all of those things according to your will. We ask for your hand on this service and uh, on your word as it's preached. We love you, and in Christ's name we pray, amen. Of course, as you know, if you've been with us, um, uh, the title of our series is Forget You, and so that's kind of our thematic element here. And so you can see the contrary mindset of James and John right from the standpoint, right? I mean, as soon as this passage opens up, uh, James and John come to Jesus asking for a blank check. And you can see just the complete an utter lack of maturity in them in that. I mean, no uh, mature adult would come to somebody and say, hey, could you just like give me whatever I want? That's what they asked him. They come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we're not going to tell you what it is yet, but could you promise to give me whatever I want? I mean, zero maturity, zero sense of what Jesus has been teaching, uh, what he's about. I mean, just off the wall 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever, if you have kids, you've, you've experienced this concept, right? Where you're talking about selfishness and you're maybe lecturing them for 20, 30, 40 minutes about how they need to get along and not be selfish, uh, whatever the case is, and immediately after, they do something just off the wall. You don't be selfish, and as soon as they're done, they go, hey, can I eat all of the ice cream tonight? And you go, no, you don't. Or you get the 40-minute lecture about why not to hit your brother, as soon as they're done, immediately hits them. And you're going, I just, I, I think you're not listening. <laughs> and you kind of get that in this passage, where Jesus is teaching and he's calling his disciples, and they're going around and serving, and, and they've got the message of what Jesus is about, and they come to him and go, um, can you tell us, can you give us whatever we ask for? And of course, Jesus asks, okay, what would it be that you would ask for? And they reveal essentially that they desire greatness. They want to be lifted up. They want to be considered great. They want to be on his right hand. They want the honor. They want the, a place in Christ's kingdom as the most important. And so Jesus begins to explain uh, and he begins his explanation with, with showing that the natural world works with you starting at the bottom as a servant. This is how he opens his explanation. Uh, that this is really nearly true in almost everything of life, where he's talking about whether you're in a, a corporation, if you're in a company, if you're in the world system in some way. When you enter something, you're at the bottom. And those that are in authority have got the power. They're the ones you serve. And I think we all understand that. This is true from Little League to your career. Uh, I did an apprenticeship. How many of you have done an apprenticeship in your life? Only a few. Okay, if you have, you know that that is slavery. You get a paycheck, but it's slavery. 100%. <laughs> I mean, you, you, on my first day as an apprentice, I was told my job was to make the journeyman look good. And that's it. <laughs> That's what you do. And I worked many jobs where uh, uh, I worked all day and did all of the work while the journeyman out, uh, smoked a cigarette outside. And then at the end of the day, he took credit for all the work, right? I've been on that many a time, right? Where you start and you're going to put in your four years, your five years of just servitude. And that's what you are. You do what you're told and you never ask why or complain uh, I didn't realize the world even still worked that way until I became an apprentice where there was no talking. <laughs> you do what you're... T I remember one time I said something back to the foreman, and I wish I had never. <laughs> I don't think I spoke the rest of the job. I mean, it was just, it's that way, where you're a servant. And I remember the first job I got sent out, and I actually it was uh, while I was an apprentice, I was sent out as a journeyman. Uh, I think one of my uh, uh, couple jobs here that I worked as a shutdown, and I was sent out as a journeyman. I remember just that feeling of showing up and not being the utter bottom feeding servant. It was nice. It just felt good a little bit, where you just got to just do the job and. Somebody would come over and they go, who did that? And you would be able to say, it was me. <laughs> it was nice to be able to do that. And as you go through, of course, with that, the farther up the chain you go, if you go to foreman, general foreman, the less and less physical work takes place. And the more and more that the people below you serve your wishes or your desires. 
not personally most of the time, but on the job, right? As you go up, you get the, the concept of that the other people are serving you and you're no longer the servant. And this is unfortunately what many of us expect to be the case everywhere. You know, you look at children and they dream of the day where they can be adults, where they don't have to be told what to do anymore or serve anyone but themselves. And we know that that's not really how life works in all facets. And Jesus explains how that's how the world works if you have a job or if you have advancement in certain areas. Uh, but advancement in his kingdom is a little different than that. That's not quite how it'll work. As the disciples come and say, hey, can we be great and sit on your right hand and have authority in the kingdom and tell others what to do is essentially what they're asking. Jesus says, I'm going to explain that, uh, how advancement and greatness in my kingdom works. And as Jesus explains this, you see throughout the Bible many uh, 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 imageries to this concept. Paul uses this terminology, if you were to look at Hebrews chapter 5, uh, where he would say, uh, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And as you see this imagery, and you can see this all throughout the scriptures, uh, of how the Bible illustrates growth or advancement in the kingdom of God, and it's not like moving up the ladder of a corporation or a company or going from journey, uh, apprentice to journeyman to foreman. No, 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 the Bible uses it like a baby becoming an adult, as, as if an infant grows throughout life and becomes mature is the imagery. And human growth, essentially, as we look at this concept, is opposite of maybe career growth. Paul is, in other words, in Hebrews, saying that an immature new Christian is like a baby, not like an apprentice, if you understand what we're getting at here. In other words, an apprentice starts out and they're your servant. But if you've had a baby, you know that a baby is not your servant. <laughs> they do no service. They provide no service, right? In fact, all a baby does is get served. That's, that's everything that they do. Their entire existence is getting served. They don't care about your needs, and they demand to be fed and changed and clothed. They want every need met immediately. That's a baby. They want to be served. Uh, as they start at the bottom, in other words, of human life, it takes years before they ever become capable or conscientious enough to do anything of value for anybody. And we understand for human beings that this is normal. It's appropriate, right? It's, you don't expect a baby to be born and be productive, right? It's a long time before they're productive. It's getting later and later in our world, apparently, before people become productive. But that's not part of the message here. And of course, they grow into adults, and as they do, they begin to take upon themselves servitude as they grow. Of course, they start with a few chores, and those are barely a help. 
But before you know it, they're adults who go to work and serve a company, and they have clients that they must serve and yield themselves to. They have to serve their spouses and maybe their elderly parents, their own children. It seems like they have to serve everybody that's in their life just about. And we understand that this is the normal process of human life. It's opposite of maybe what we would desire life to be out in the corporate world or in a career or when one receives power. But this is the image that God gives. He says, no, 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 it's not like that. It's like a human being growing. The further, the closer they get to maturity, the more service is required of them. And that's normal. That's appropriate. And Jesus is, of course, referring to these disciples, and he speaks to these disciples, and he speaks to them as as babes. He refers to them as babes. Paul talks about the baby Christians and and the young Christians and those unmatured, and he talks about them as babes here in Hebrews chapter 5, where he says they're they're not ready for meat. They need milk. And they're babies when they start out, just as we are when we start out. John says little children, Paul says babes. And those beginning out in the faith, those starting out in in Christianity, those as soon as they're saved, begin selfish, demanding a lot, making it about us, expecting us to be served. We want power, we want uh, authority, we want recognition. If we're going to get involved in anything spiritual at all, it's kind of got to be hand-fed to us just the right way. You with me here tonight? You see the imagery? And, and here's the point, that's normal for a baby. If you're a baby in Christ, as Paul uses this imagery in Hebrews chapter 5, he says, uh, if you're a baby, that's normal. That's the idea. But babies are supposed to grow. You're supposed to grow into an adult, and things are supposed to change, is the idea. You with me so far here tonight? Is, is, is Quinn ready to eat? Is she hungry? We're going we're to see something very, very clear here. It makes perfect sense. So we've got a baby here. I, I just so happen to have a baby. Would you notice that? It's awesome. And she's a, thank you. She may not be awake, may not want to eat, but here's a baby, right? Ooh, she's excited, right? Here's a baby. So when you take a bottle, and you give it to a baby, let's see if she's hungry. She may not be awake. You want a bottle? She does not. You ruined the illustration. If I feed a bottle to a baby, you understand that that looks totally normal. You with me? That's very normal situation. You're not listening to anything I'm saying, I can tell. If she drinks this milk, that's 100% normal. That's exactly what we would expect. Nobody would think anything weird is happening. Nobody would turn to this baby and go, you're making him hold that bottle for you? How selfish. Are you kidding? Do it yourself, right? Nobody comes to a baby and demands that. They expect when a baby just lays there, eats, then deposits what they ate right there. Very expected, very normal, very much what you would expect a baby to do. You don't ask anything of them. Thank you, Quinn. (laughs) But that's a baby. 
And so I asked somebody else to come help me here tonight. David, are you here? All right. We're going to look at what's maybe a little less normal here. <laughs> Why don't you have a seat? I brought a bottle for David, too. Now, this, this is clean, okay? Brand new. This is, uh, this is cow's milk, just to <laughs> clarify. <laughs> and if we feed David this bottle, why don't you just come, come here, buddy. And we begin to feed David this bottle. Here, take a little sip. Tell me if that's a good temperature for you. You got to get a little, okay. Now this, admittedly, is a little weird. You with me? This is a strange event. Unlike the baby, nobody is comfortable with this. He's not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. Nobody watching is comfortable. This is just weird. And the longer it goes, the weirder it gets. Right? If I, if I preach the rest of the sermon like this, people will probably leave, okay? Because this is uncomfortable. This is weird. This is not what you expect. This, in other words, this is not okay. Why? Because he can hold his own bottle. Actually, he probably shouldn't be eating a bottle. <laughs> you with me? Do we have enough yet? I feel like we, we're probably good. We're probably good. Do you want to finish that off? At your, see? Okay. <laughs> you got to burp him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to use that bottle at all. <laughs> but we all understand that there's something a little weird about a full-grown man drinking from a bottle. And that's the imagery that Paul begins to, to showcase. He says there, there comes a time where a baby who is a taker and all they do is receive, all they are is served, they, they demand that somebody else do everything for them, feed it directly to their face, and that's acceptable, that's reasonable. Nobody expects anything else. But what was once a baby that has now grown into an adult man we don't expect that anymore. It makes us uncomfortable to see. We expect that that person would now, as Paul would say, not only can they feed themselves and have, me have the ability to consume meat, they're not drinking a bottle anymore, not only that, Paul would say, it ought to be that you're now the teacher, is what he says. He says the, the mature Christian actually is one that goes from the one that lays and be, uh, is fed as a babe, and becomes the feeder. You with me? It ought to be that David is feeding his children a bottle, not that he has me feed him a bottle. It's very obvious. And, and Paul is showcasing exactly the point that Jesus is making in Mark chapter 10, that maturity in the faith, that growth there, that advancement there, is that which grows us closer to servitude, not away from it. You with me? No human baby takes their own food and cares for their own needs only to grow up to somebody that is then cared for. The human being that's mature is the one that can feed themselves naturally. The one that can go to work and serves their company, that comes home to serves their family, uh, that doesn't put themselves first. 
Uh, when you see an adult that spends all their money on themselves, can't find time to spend with their families, that uh, constantly calls out of work or isn't dependable to do anything, it's very obvious they're still immature. Because maturity is the ability to serve. And now, of course, we have our teenagers here, some of our kids even, and it's okay if you're 10, 11, 12 years old, if you think that now being an adult would be great because you could play video games all day and watch YouTube, be a YouTuber that plays video games on YouTube, that's fine if you're 10 to think that. If you still think that at 20, it's not so fine anymore. You with me? If you're 25 and you can't get up to go to work and you got your YouTube videos up about, things get weird then. You with me? Because that's how growth works. And, this, and, and Paul is showcasing, is what Jesus is showcasing, that the same is true in Christianity, that growth is encapsulated in your ability and willingness to serve, to give, to put others first. We won't read every verse, but they could go on and on. And Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, you've been called into liberty. But he says this, Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. He says, you're not held down to do so for your salvation. You've been set free from that. But if you're those that are mature, if we were to go through Galatians, you'd see that. If you're one that is mature, you're going to understand that involves serving others. By love, serving them. Not because you're depending on, uh, on it for your salvation, but because that's what maturity demands. That's what it looks like. That's what a Christian who has grown and understood what God would have for them does. Romans 15.1, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. In Mark, Jesus says exactly what we said. It shall not be so among you, meaning you will not grow and advance to become the one that sits around and is served. He says, as you grow and advance, the one that is great among you will be your minister. The chiefest shall be servant of all. In other words, Paul says, and, 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 and Jesus says, and throughout the Bible it says, that Christianity is not a game for building a name for yourself. That's not what's happening at all here. Nobody's getting built up around true Christianity to be some leader who's worshipped and praised and adored and is served. You look at so many that have, uh, 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 now as we look back on them, understand them to be cults. And if you look at those, uh, universally, this is the marker of that which fails to be authentic is the leader wants to be the one where you serve me. I mean, it's one of the markers. If you were to even talk to those that study cults for a living, they would say, that's what you look out for. And unfortunately, sometimes Christians fall into the mindset even of, of thinking that. Christianity is not about building your name or becoming served. Or as Jesus would say, it's not about establishing your greatness. It's not about building your kingdom. It's not about you being lifted up and others being about you. That's not at all what he says. 
And Paul said it, it ought to be time that those that have received are now those that are able to give, those that are able to pass on, those that are able to teach. It ought to be that as those that grow in Christianity, that as those of us that have been saved for a number of, uh, of years and those that have been taught and discipled and, and, and begin to learn the things of Christ, that there becomes a point where we go and we become the teachers. We become those that are become the investors, caring for others, investing in them. But what Paul says that is true there in Hebrews is so often true in our churches today that year after year after year, those that are saved for three, four, five, ten, twenty years still come in every service and cry for their baba. You with me? They come in every service and they go, feed me. I'm ready. Give me, give me the bottle. And it's weird. That's what Paul says. He says that should look really, really strange to us. That if there's somebody who has been desiring to follow Christ, and they say, I want to be a believer, and I'm following Jesus, and they get saved, and they call out to him for salvation, and they're baptized, and they join a church, and they become faithful and start to read his words, there ought to be a period of time where they're now the ones that are able to serve, to give, to invest, to change others' lives. That if, if this goes on and, and five years have passed and they've been faithful to church and all of a sudden every service and every day and all that they do is cry for the bottle, it's weird. It should be uncomfortable. You with me? When the, somebody that's been saved for 10 years and is somebody that ought to be somebody that could teach and invest and disciple and change lives is somebody that comes in and goes, uh, I don't know if I was fed on this service. That should be like, I'm uncomfortable. What do you mean? Can't you not feed yourself is the point? I don't know if you're getting the imagery here. But he says there ought to come a time where you don't need somebody to hold the bottle to your face and force it down your throat. There ought to come a time where you say, yeah, it's okay that a service was about salvation because I can feed myself. You with me? Not only can I feed myself, but I can feed myself enough that I'm full enough to give to you. That ought to come about. That ought to be natural. It's very weird, Paul says, if everybody comes with the attitude of, feed me. You know what else is true about feeding babies with a bottle? We, of course, when we were pregnant, maybe every pregnant couple talks about this. We did, I think, with all four of ours, we said, what happens if it's twins? And twins, I, don't, I can do two, I think, if somebody else is holding the kids. What if it's triplets? I don't, I got two hands. I don't know what, I'm out of hands. You with me? Are you getting the imagery here? If, if everybody comes with the idea of feed me, provide for me, give me, only some get fed. You with me? And Jesus says this, those that are great, those that are going to advance in the kingdom of God, those that are going to be the great ones, they're not going to be the ones that sit on my right hand and command others. No, that's not greatness. That's baby stuff. That's what babies do. They command. If you have kids, you know you are commanded of your children. 
I'm commanded to feed them. I'm commanded to change the diaper. I'm commanded to be awake when they're awake. You with me? He says, that's not the idea. Those that are great are those that serve, that invest, that are down low, that voluntarily lower themselves. And he says this, we ought to do that not only because that's the advancement program for the kingdom of God, but because Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Meaning Jesus didn't say, hey, yeah, I'm God, and so it's, it's right that I'm served and I sit back, but you ought to be servants. No, no, no. He says, I want you to understand this concept so much that greatness and spirituality in my kingdom is service. I want you to understand that concept so much that even me as God in the flesh will become your servant. And I don't know if you see this all throughout the Gospels, but... It's so amazing that as Jesus serves them, he doesn't go through and demand their service to him. If you even remember, as Jesus comes and he washes the disciples' feet, and Peter goes, no, 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 listen, this is not right. You shouldn't serve me, I should serve you. And Jesus doesn't go, yes, that's the right attitude, you ought to serve me, thank you, go ahead. No, Jesus says, if you don't let me serve you, we have no part together. He says, this is greatness. This is what it looks like. I serve you. You serve them. That's what he says. Jesus didn't serve because he had to. He didn't serve because, and listen, and this is so important, and I don't even know if we can grasp our own minds and, and wicked hearts so much to understand this, but he didn't serve like so many times we serve in order to manipulate others to serve him back. You with me? Isn't that so often what we do? You're 12 a.m. huffing and puffing around the house doing the dishes. What are you really doing? It ain't serving. <laughs> You're making a point. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's not, he's not making a point to try to uh, manipulate somebody. He's serving because he loves them. It wasn't because... Uh, they were too much of babies to help out at this point. That's not the concept entirely. He serves because he wants to, because love is service. Because true, real Christianity is service. Church is not the place where you get a title so you can throw your weight around. That's not what happens. This is not a, about a battle of wills. I mean, how many churches go through church splits because of a battle of wills. Because I demand my voice is heard, and I'm right, and what I say should happen should. Church is not about who's smarter. You with me? It's just not. It's not about who's better at certain things. It's not a place for you to showcase your talents. There's nothing Christian about having others at your command. He says, those that are great are those who invest, who are down low, who have their sleeves rolled up and serve others. Why is Christianity so often filled with the me-first believers? Why are we so often critics of everything, expecting everything to be for us and about us? Why are we so often up in arms because some other believer made our lives slightly harder, or offended us, or said something we didn't like? 
It ought to be that we're their servant. It ought to be that we come to them and we say, I want to be great in the kingdom of God, so I want to come serve you. I'm looking to serve you. I'm looking to be about your service. Even Hebrews chapter 10, and we use this verse so often, but we maybe miss this part of it, where it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He says this, if you're those, and he's already talked about the concept of those that are mature or those that no longer need the Baba, but those that can give the Baba. You with me? <laughs> That's how we're going to say it here today. <laughs> he says, and it ought to be that you're not, not gathering, that you're not, not invested in each other's lives. In fact, it ought to be that you, as you grow and as the day of the Lord approaches and as you run out of time and as you learn more about who Jesus is and about what Christianity is about, that you are looking for more opportunities to gather, not for you, but so that you can invest in them, is what he says. He says you ought to be excited about gathering, not for what you get out of it, but you ought to be exhorting one another. You ought to be excited to gather to exhort, to provoke to good works, to showcase love to. We ought to be excited to be the church, not just attend, in other words. We ought to be excited to come to serve others, to share with them what God has done for us, what we've learned, how we've seen Him work. He says, real Christianity, real advancement in the kingdom of God is when we lower ourselves to be the servant. You know what's great about servants? They're always busy. I don't know if you've... When I was an apprentice, I understand how this works. You don't run out of stuff. There's, there's never a lack of things or people to serve, if you understand. There, you're never done serving. We ought to be excited about serving. Serving God, serving others. Can you just imagine maybe, and I don't want to take too much more time, but can you just imagine with me in your mind what it would be like if an entire church came with the mindset of, I showed up to serve. That's what I want. If this week we thought, not I've got my things to do, and then I guess I will come to church on Sunday. But if we said, man, how can I serve others here? How can I... Who can I invest in? What has God taught me through my unique experiences and the things that he's brought me from, maybe even the pains and the trials that somebody else needs that I can give to them? Now, where are there ministries that could be done if, if somebody was willing to do? I don't know if we think about this, but can you imagine the multitudes of ministries and people that could be affected if everybody was interested in serving, if everybody was interested in investing? How many lives could be touched? How many more people could be helped? Souls that could be saved? If every one of us considered church and the, the aspect of being a part of a church an opportunity to pour out instead of to bring in. You with me? The problem is, as Paul would put it in Hebrews, 
is that when it's time that we become those ready to teach, he says when it's time that now that it's natural, you've been through the woodshed, you've, you've been discipled, you've got a base uh, uh, understanding of the word of God and what Christianity is, and it's time now to invest, to pour out, to give to others, to find that hurting person and strengthen them, to find that person that needs to be taught and teach them, to start a new ministry, to get out there, to change the world, to be the church and the community that God gave you. When that's time, he says, so often the reality is you don't have the maturity to do it. You're, you're still drinking the bottle. He says, when it's time that that's what should be the next step, you find you've never grown up. He says, I come in, and he says, I see a, a bunch of people being fed with a bottle, and it's real weird looking. Because they ought to be feeding others. They ought to be at home eating a steak and then coming in and feeding. You ought to come week after week with the concept of not that we're not going to receive anything. Of course, God always does. And was so awesome about him and about church and gathering together. But with the concept of, I want to gather and I want to be a part of church because, because God's done something in my heart and I want to pour it out. I want to give. I want to invest. I want to serve. I want to get low. I want to get in the clay and the dust and the dirt with, the, with those that are in need of help and pour into them. And yet, I would say this, unfortunately, so often, our attitude is we come to church and we go, Papa, give me the Baba. We do it week after week. Pastor, feed me. I need, I need the milk. If, you don't have a, if, it's, if it's not a good sermon, I got no use for you. Because that's what I'm here for, to be fed. Feed me. When you're a baby, that's okay. If you got saved last week, come. Be fed. Learn, grow, be strengthened. I'm glad for that. That's exciting. Praise the Lord. If you've been saved for five years, that's uncomfortable for me. That's weird. The point isn't to be demeaning. The point is to show how ridiculous it is that those that have been believers for years have nothing to give. And we're going to close here in just a second, but, but shouldn't you have something to give? If God's changed your life and he's been pouring into your life and you spend time, listen, you spend time daily with the God of heaven and earth where he his spirit bears witness with your spirit and you speak to him and he pours out his uh, revelation word for word that you can read and then understand because he illuminates for, for you what's there and you receive from that as it ought to be day to day. And as he teaches you through the experiences of your life, and as you go through the ups and downs and the trying of your faith that should work gold, you ought to have something to pour out. He said you ought to be filled up. Your cup should be running over. It ought to be that you have so much to pour out, to give to other lives, that even if you're not trying to, it's just spilling over the sides to whoever's near you. You with me? It ought not be that we got nothing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, and this happened to me before, and it's, nothing has ever been more convicted, convicting for me than when I'm supposed to preach, and I go, I got nothing to preach. What? Are you kidding me? I ought to be filled up. 
I ought to have so much that I'm going, if I, I could never get to all the things I'm excited about what God's done and shown me and I've seen in his word. That's the way it ought to be. Man, as I come to church and I see other people, it should, I should look out and I should go, man, I remember when I was just there. If I could just tell them. Man, I remember when I was first apprehensive about telling my first soul, man, if I could just show them, oh, it'd be awesome. Man, I've been through just what they've been through. And I know what God looks like on the other side. And I just want to, I want to invest. I want to show. You see, the young people you want to pour into their lives, that's Christianity. When you're the servant. When you look to be the servant. When you love enough that you're excited to serve. If you come and you say, feed me, and I, man, I would love to just be the one in charge. You're, you don't know what's happening here. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says to these men, no, greatness does not look like what you think it looks like. And he shows them as an example to us. So in other words, stop asking for the Baba. Go serve. Get down there. Invest. Imagine what God could do with a group like this that said, I want to serve. I love to serve. Stand to our feet this evening and bow.